This is Business Dad. How does a professional football player carve out time with his kids during the season? On this episode, Alexis Ohanian talks with former NFL All-Pro defensive end and Wharton MBA Justin Tuck. Justin's 11-year career with the New York Giants and Oakland Raiders included 66 and a half sacks, two Super Bowl championships, as well as all Pro Bowl and Pro Bowl honors. Shortly after his retirement from football, Justin completed his MBA and joined Goldman Sachs, where he currently serves as a vice president in the private wealth management group. Justin lives in the New York area with his wife, Lauren, and his sons, who are 10 and 6. Business status brought to you by Initialized. Initialize invests in early-stage technology companies and helps founders avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit Initialize.com to find out more. For me, it was an intriguing concept, and we've been talking to folks now at the top of their game across so many different industries, and it's just cool. I feel like I unlocked this part of the, of the world that I didn't have access to until I was a dad. And then I started talking to all these people in a totally different way about this thing that they really cared deeply about that gave them a sense of purpose, but also a sense of uh, pride and then also tons of frustration <laughs> uh, and all of those things. And and I've been learning a ton of life hacks. And like, I mean, you are a two-time Super Bowl winner. Should have been an MVP at least one of those times. Twice, but if not we'll, twice. We'll say once. <laughs> and and then you went, you went to school, got an MBA from Wharton, and now you're at Goldman, like not a bad run here. You've you've been so dominant, so successful. And what I really want to talk about though is how you, you do it all as a father sure. and, and a husband and how you balance all that. And and we had some conversations actually just on the other side of that table um, about the moment when you were you were done with the league and you were hanging out at home. And you were talking to one of your kids. Can you can you walk me through that again? Yeah, I just retired, and and th- at that moment it was like, ha, huh, I made it. I can I can sit down and do nothing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and waking up every morning, going to play golf or go to hang out with some buddies at a bar or you know whatever, maybe sitting in the yard, you know, just listen to the birds chirp. Mm-hmm. Um, what really hit me was my, me and my wife. We do this thing called favorite part of the day. Uh, so every night we would sit down with the kids when we were eating dinner and, you know, the kids that went out to school or was playing um, with their friends after, after school on the playground. We wanted to know things about that. So we asked them, you know, tell us about your day. Tell us about your favorite part of the day. Mm-hmm. And for me, I realized very quickly that every the last four or five days, I only thing I had to say was, you know, I played golf with this guy. I got a birdie on 16, you know, something like that, right? <laughs> so it hit me quickly that, you know, time my kids was five and a half and two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're not going to really remember anything I did on a football field or in philanthropy or whatever it may be uh, if I keep this route. So when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, when they're, it's their time to, you know, go off and kind of make a life for themselves, mm-hmm. what was going to be the legacy that me as their father had kind of instilled in them? Mm-hmm. Um, so I made the decision right then and there that I needed to do some, something different. Didn't necessarily know it was going to be finance, didn't know it was going to be warden, but things fell into place. And, and you know, I, I truly believe that, the, that God pitched you in these positions because you're supposed to be there. So... Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I started. Did you have a moment? You were you were a professional football player with a couple of young kids, mm-hmm. and how how did that all work? Because when when it is during the NFL season, <laughs> I imagine you are wholly focused sure. to the game, and and especially with all the travel, like you're doing everything you can to try to balance that out. Did was it your was it your family traveling with you? Was it how how did you make that all work? Well, luckily. 
in football, your, your travels, it's pre-scheduled. So you know exactly when and where you're going to be. Um, so it allows you to kind of do things around your family based off of we knew that Friday, you know, we were going to be out of town. Um, or on, at a home game, I knew we had to stay in the hotels on, on Saturday. So Saturday and Sunday, most of the time was kind of out of out of commission during the seasons for the family. And so you're so we, you're like locked in. You're not like mentally yeah, you're, you're trying you're to get in. ready for the game. You're not. You're locked in. Yeah. I mean, I like I would say like there's little skips of time during Saturday before I would go to the hotel where I was kind of going get game plan stuff and have like one of my sons sitting there and I was just trying to teach him the game. Yeah. Watching iPad stuff on the film. Like, Look, that's what they did. That, that little stuff was mm. obviously still great. Um, but that was that was that was small snippets um, because most of the time he didn't want to sit there and watch it, and he would be jumping on my head and blah blah blah. So I would have to kind of like, okay, <laughs> you, you can play with your Legos for a bit, and I'll go back to this. Um, but during the week, especially as I became a veteran and didn't have to go into the facility as much, mm-hmm. I, I used Monday and Tuesday as full family type, family day. Well, there was movies, there was you know going out to dinner with my wife. Wednesdays, you kind of back in the mode, but. It was back in the mode only doing football hours. So I would say 6 to 4.30. And then that, that evening time, it would be total family. I, would, I, would, I never tried to bring my work home until my kids went to sleep. So if they went to sleep at 9, I would you know, go do some notes and watch a few films until probably 11 o'clock and go to bed. Mm. Uh, but I, I tried to not allow my kids seeing me work. Uh, that didn't always work out, but that was kind of the, the, the thought behind it. Why were those Mondays and Tuesdays uh, important to you? I mean, I really got the opportunity to be uninterrupted with my family. Um, some of those days blended in with some of the philanthropy work we do. Um, but I tried to bring my family along with that. You know, my wife and I are very passionate about education and kids. So when we would go visit some of our schools or, or some of the sites or, you know, go visit, you know, Scholastica first book as far as thinking about how we what books we were going to donate and so on and so forth. That was kind of a our thing as well. So it was, it was us having my wife is, you know, her biggest thing with me would, would be, you know, having intellectual conversations when we could instead of, you know, the little small stuff as far as um, making sure the calendar is update or. Um, talking about this guy who I want to, you know, rip his throat out because I'm playing him on Sunday, that type of stuff. <laughs> so, like, these things, when we was going to visit these schools, it was, it, was, it was an opportunity for us to really connect on a uh, more of an intellectual side of things. This is, and this is something I did not appreciate until I found myself in a relationship with a professional athlete, which is the amount of time that you all have to invest, especially if you want to reach sure. that highest level, sure. in time away from the game in making sure that you're getting this time, this nourishment, whether it's whether it's it's the time with family, whether it's in, in this case, you're talking about the philanthropic work where it is so important when it's time to rip someone's throat out that you're focused on that and you're planning for that. Yeah. But that I think as as fans, as outsiders, we don't appreciate how much time it takes to actually lock yourself away from all of that work so that you can give yourself mentally and physically time to recover and get recharged. What I try to do also is like in that recovery time, in that mental recharge time, in that time where I was getting massages or acupuncture or I try to have my sons around and still be able to talk to them. I'm sitting in a cold tub in the house and and having my five-year-old like touch the water, like, oh, I don't want to get in there do that. But still having those <laughs> moments like where that. they see, like when they get older enough, 
and they start doing things like that, they'll realize like that, you know, that's one of the things that made Dad great, or one of the things that he had to do on top of the stuff I saw on, on football. I think right now my son, he's a great soccer player, but he doesn't understand yet that, you know, when you as the higher level you go up, the more things outside of just playing well on on the field. Um, is going to translate in him becoming the player that he wants to be, right? Yeah, but like for the average fan, they really do not understand that, you know, obviously we have a practice time, we have meeting times, and for those who want to be above and beyond better than his competition, there's times where you, you allocate more time to the little things that make you great, the taking care of your body, the, you know, meeting with a nutritionist, um, the uh, obviously cold tub, ice tub, acupuncture, chiropractic, um, just being being alone and with your thoughts sometimes. And that's, I mean, it's 24 hours out of the day. I think the guys who, and girls who do it the best are the ones who really understand time management, but also the ones that have that spouse or that, that team around them that also understands that, I ain't gonna say second fiddle, that ain't the right phrase, but it's like we have to allow them this opportunity. We have to allow them... Uh, the opportunity to use a platform for what they're doing. And I, I'm blessed in having a wife that truly got that and understood that and, and held a lot of the other things down around our life um, that allowed me to, to thrive in the role that I had as, a, as, a, as an athlete. And, and how would you say that's changed now that you're in the world of finance? Uh, how, what's similar, what's different? Still busy, still travel a lot, still, still, uh, still complicated, but it, my, my job now gives me a more flexibility. Um, I think it has made me um, communicate better with my wife, given the fact that, that you know, I have that flexibility. It's not a set schedule, so I have to be on top of things as far as making sure I understand her and the kids' schedule before I say yes to a meeting or uh, a trip or something like that. Um, but, I mean, honestly, not a lot has changed. Um, my wife is tr- tremendously understanding and understand the, the opportunities that we have, and I think... The only difference now is because of that flexibility, it's allowing her to do a little bit more in the things that she's passionate about, which I'm all for. I told her I would not take this job if there ever came a time where she wanted to do something and I couldn't allow her to do it because she did so much for me and allowing me in 11 years of football to not have to worry about other things other than, you know, me becoming the best football player. I can be. So, I, you know, I look at it like now, I'm, I'm, it's my time to allow her to do the same thing. And it just so happens that, you know, my role is allowing us to have that flexibility to do both, which is truly a blessing. Mm. And I love the I love the ritual you all have around the the highs and lows of the day. And I, I first got introduced to that through my wife's family, and I love it. And are there other things that you do to build that relationship, to build that connection with your kids? My biggest thing is always listen to your kids. Listen to them with the small things. Uh, the things that you think now don't matter. Uh, oh, daddy, I, I, I lost my purple crown, whatever. Listen to them and let them know you're listening to them. Because I truly believe that if you pay attention to your kids now on the small things, they'll that relationship will be the same when they're 17, 18, and there's some bigger things that they, that some parents might have missed because they didn't have a relationship with their kids from that, that younger age where they got comfortable and they got accustomed to talking to dad and mom about things, Right. So, I, I mean, like, I, I try my best, and I know my wife's a whole lot better than I am, but we try our best to really have in-depth conversations with our kids. And I know that some people are like, how you have an in-depth conversation with a six-year-old? You know, they're, they're smarter than what you think they are. They just don't know, at the time, they don't necessarily know how to verbalize things, yes. but we give them the yes. floor 
we give them the floor to to at least try to. And as they get older, after giving them the floor, obviously when they're eight, they're 10, they're 12, and so on and so forth, they get better at verbalizing things. And, and I think it, 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 it definitely bodes well for the relationship that I want to have with my kids when they're when they go off to college, right? I'm not going to be there every day, but I feel I'll, I think I'll feel confident in the fact that they, if something happens, good or bad, they'll have the hopefully the relationship with my kids where they they they'll come and tell me and not be the kid that's like I got to pry everything out or find out another way. You know, I, I just feel like that that's going to bode well later in life. I love hearing this. My wife teases me all the time because Olympia has. I mean, she's two. She has these conversations with me where it's still just gibberish. Sure. And and I'll respond to her like she's a real like like have like like really. I don't know if I agree with that. I'll, yeah. And 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 she'll just go and talk. I do it purely for my own entertainment <laughs> because I think it's, it's really cute. Um, but I'm encouraged to hear you say this as advice because there is so much going on in there, and I know. As someone who I really value being able to communicate, mm. it's it's a big part of, and I mean, no doubt, a big part of your job as well. Like, we need to be able to have conversations, to connect with people, and it would feel so terrible to have all the same ideas about communication and be trapped yeah. in a little body that can't really do it well. That, that would be a personal hell. And so I empathize with this little person who's got the same sort of ambitions to want to communicate as any of us, but, but can't. When you think about nurturing this and developing this, you're clearly thinking a few years ahead about the kind of person you want your children to become. What, what are your goals and ambitions for them, especially uh, with, with a really successful dad? What, what are the things you're hoping? Are you, are you hoping your son you know, goes into sports, has a career there? What, what's, what's the goal for you? No, nah, I mean, I got... I'm not one of these people who are going to be like, oh, I want my son to be in this sector. If I was, you know, if I was this huge hedge fund guy, I probably wouldn't want my kid to go into hedge funds. <laughs> if I was this, you know, I had a pretty good athletic career, I don't necessarily want my son to play, you know, sports. Mm-hmm. I want him to play it, but I don't want him to play it because, um, and I'm, I'm following my dad's footsteps. It's one of the reasons why I didn't name my kid Justin Jr. Like, go out and create your own path. I think my job as your father and our job as your parents with my wife is to give you that opportunity utilize utilize whatever platform that we we have as a family to open up doors for our kids to see different things if he wants to be a lacrosse player if he wants to be a surgeon if he wants to be an astronaut if he wants to be you know a fisherman i don't know i think what my job is to just make sure that whatever he decides on doing in life that it is beneficial to this world and he does that 100 percent um and I don't, I don't know any father could ever be disappointed in their kid if, if they found what they want to do, their passion to do it, and they, then they went after it wholeheartedly. That's all I want for my kids. That's, uh, so I get the question all the time, would you let your kid play football? Uh, they, I always tell them they ask that question the wrong way. The word let is very, very, just the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Um, because would I let them? Yeah, I would let them. Do I want them to? No, I don't. And it's not. it doesn't have a lot to do with the, the, the injury stuff and all that. It's just... I feel as though no, no matter how good they are or bad they are, everyone is always going to try to compare them to me in the space. I don't want that for them. I, don't want, I, want, I want them to be somewhere where uh, they're free and allowed to just blossom as who they are. And, you know, for me, I, I, I think my wife is completely the same way. 
she wants me to play soccer because that was her sport. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just want them to do whatever they're going to do at 100%. This episode of Business Dad is brought to you by Roman. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Well, actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. That's basically a month. And that's just not acceptable. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. We were their earliest investors, and we've got a special deal. So if you go to GetRoman.com slash BusinessDad, you'll get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Uh, that that doing it at 100% thing has come up a couple times here. And it's uh, I can see the direct line, certainly from being such a successful professional athlete. Like, there just is not room for giving less than 100% effort, especially when you look at the odds of it, right? <laughs> like, like, there are far more, the odds of being a, a warden MBA, as, as challenging and hard as that is, are still far better than being a, a professional athlete, let alone, you know, a two-time Super Bowl winner. Well, I tell my kids all the time, I, you know, control what you can't control. You can't control the coach play calling. You can't control the referee calling a foul when the, when the guy tuck you down. You can't control that. What you can't control is your effort. You can control how much work you put in. I was out I was out in the yard one day and I bought my kid a, a jump rope and he had this basketball practice where they jump rope for two minutes prior. And I was like, you need to get better jump roping. And I said, you can control that. And then the next morning I saw him outside jump roping. Those are the type of things where I'm, I'm super proud. He could, he could never make a shot, right? But the fact that I know he's gonna put in the work he said he he recognized it was something he needed to get better at, and he he proactively did that, and has continued to do that. So yeah, those type of things, man, it's it's it it definitely warms my heart and, and lets me know that you know the kid gets it, and he's getting it. But again, my job is to just continue to stir him, and that same thing when it comes to him doing his homework or him writing his book report. Same thing, you have to be there for him to stir him because they don't know. They have no clue. They don't have no clue what this means later in life. So I, that's why you said, like, playing one, two, three years ahead. He don't understand that reading this book now, developing this love for reading or whatever it may be, how that's going to benefit him later in life. Because when you go to college, I mean, depending on what he wants to do, he might be reading three or four books a week. <laughs> yeah. But if we set that tone for him now, and that, that's, that's like second nature for him. Mm-hmm. Do you think about all of the possibilities for these for these futures, these like future timelines, do you think about them when you see, I don't know, those those early sort of interests, those early steps? Like, do you find yourself like seeing like, oh wow, like there like there there's an interest here for art, or there's an interest here for something, and then and then feeding into that and and trying to find excuses to like, oh let's if it, like let, there's a, there's an exhibition here at the MoMA, like if this, yeah. this is the path for art or what's the one hundred percent. You know my kids, it goes as far as just the toys they play with. Really? Like when they're watching TV and I see them play with, you know, they, they like oh something on a toy or something like that. As long as it's you know within the guidelines of what we want, we go get that toy. Mm-hmm. Same thing when we're out. And my son, I I tell my kids all the time, we're in the car, look out the window and see what you see, tell me what you see. So I found out my kids love animals so we take them to zoos i'm mm-hmm. from alabama i go to well, anytime we get the opportunity to go back to alabama i take them to a farm mm-hmm. um i hate snakes 
My sons love snakes. <laughs> so what do I do? We take them to a farm that has that has a handler. Do you hold the snake? I do not. All right. I literally, I literally <laughs> lock the door and look through the people. Um, but they, but I, I, I want to allow my shortcomings to affect something mm-hmm. that, that they love, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said, art. My wife is tremendously involved in art and museums. And every time we go on a vacation, it's it's a learning experience. When we go to Greece, it is seeing any ruin, any museum, any any anything that has a story behind it. Yeah. You know, I want to go to the beach and kind of you know relax and listen <laughs> to the waves. My wife has an itinerary of. Oh, she's spots. got it planned out. And it, I, it, I, it's great, though, because I, I know I didn't grow up like that. I grew up as a country boy in Kelton, Alabama, and the only exposure I had was, you know, a cow, a pig, and a couple of chickens, um, a few dirt roads here and there. So my 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 upbringing, I, I'm not good at that. My wife is tremendous, and I allow her to do it because I know how beneficial it is as far as, you know, raising, um, you know, culture kids in, 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 this, in this next wave of years, right? This and so this is this is what I was getting at because you obviously have so much ability now through the career that you've had to provide for your kids. Are there are there lessons because because you did not come up with that, you did not grow up with that same. Um, so what are the lessons and what are the values and and how do you manage? Because because I mean I, we talk about this uh, around our house too, which is you want your children to appreciate hard work and all these other values that are much easier to appreciate when you don't have a lot of money, sure. you don't have a ton of privilege. So how do you find that balance of making sure that they get that exposure to the the, the appreciation and those values while at the same time being able to provide them with, with all kinds of amazing experiences that... Yeah, I mean, we're constantly, we're constantly in our kids' ears telling them that just how blessed they are and, and backing it up by showing them whether that's, you know, let's go take a walk in Newark. Let's go to a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter. Let's go look at how for my wife sits on the board of a foster care organization in New York City. We go to foster homes. We we take them to schools, uh, Title One schools that we sponsor, um, giving them exposure of how other people live to help them understand. We make sure they understand why why we are so terribly inclined. Why are we giving and what. What's the right way to be charitably giving? Because you know, you, unfortunately, in this world, a lot of people are charitably giving just so they can put their name on something and say, "Ah, oh, look at me! I don't, I don't ever want to be associated with any of the things we've done to me because oh, I wanted my name in the paper." No, I, I want to. Under, I want my kids to understand because because coming from where I came from, I know that so many people have blessed me, whether I know them or not. Um, and I, you've probably heard me say this saying before, but I, I, I realize I can never pay it back. I can only pay it forward. You know, so many people have put my name into someone else's ear without me even knowing. And that might have trickled into this job or that opportunity or whatever it may be. I can never thank that person because I don't even know who that person is. But the thing I can do is saying the, the blessings that God has blessed me, try to utilize that to bless others. And hopefully me and my wife are doing a pretty good job of, you know, of conveying that to our kids and, and making sure that they understand that, you know, when much is given, much is due. Um, so that's kind of how we approach it. Well, look, and it's, you know, actions speak louder than words. And clearly, I think the, the actions are speaking pretty loudly. Thank you, sir. That's a good, very good note to end on. Justin, my man. Absolute pleasure, dude. Absolutely. This is Status brought to you by Initialized. Initialized invests in early stage technology companies and helps founders avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit initialized.com to find out more. <laughs>